What's up, potheads? Welcome to the restricted section of Super Cool Podcast, in which a bunch of friends scream at each other about their thoughts on Harry Potter. I'm your host, Christina, and if you usually come here to laugh, first of all, I'm so sorry. You truly need better comedy content in your life, but today's episode is No Laughing Matter. We're here to talk about J.K. Rowling and the fact that she is stamping out her beautiful literary legacy with a legacy of transphobia, which is not cool to say the least. So take off your silly hat, put on your thinking cap, and buckle up for this wild ride. All right, well, are you guys ready to get started? I Let's think do so. It. Cool. So... I, I'm trying to start, I'm always trying to like use different, I always say, how's it going everybody? But I don't want to say that every episode, it's so boring. So you want I'll, me to say it? No, 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 I'll branch out, <laughs> it's my fucking podcast, sit down. Um, I'll branch out and I'll say, what's up potheads, how's it going? <laughs> Very natural, well done, All right, well done, wait, let me do a clean take. What's up, potheads? How's it going? Hey. Not bad, not bad. <laughs> doing well. It's great to see you. Haley, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing great. We also have a very special guest. Danny, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your life, and tell us uh, about your history with Harry Potter, how you got into it in the first place, and definitely tell us what your Hogwarts house is and oh, defend, yeah. defend your answer. Hell yeah. All right. Um, so my name is Danny. I'm 28 years old. I am a trans man. So when JK Rowling came out with all this stuff, I was not pleased. Um, you know, um, I've always kind of struggled with reading as a kid. Definitely. Uh, it was something that was very hard for me to figure out, but it's okay. I got it down now. Uh, so I got into Harry Potter, basically one of my uncles bought myself and my older sister a copy of a couple of the Harry Potter books to sort of get me more involved in reading and I was pretty much hooked um, so my, I'm a lifelong fan of Harry Potter uh, I've loved it for a very long time it was definitely like for many people an escape for me as a kid so hearing all these negative statements really um, wasn't cool um, as far as my Hogwarts house I could tell you that I have probably taken every um what hogwarts house quiz are you under the sun and i was you know a member of pottermore uh their harry potter um website there i i should get back into that um and it's interesting my house is always well not always but it's usually gryffindor um first of all that's my favorite house it's the house i identify with the most um i consider myself to be like you know the little dumb sidekick like Ron. And I say that with love. I fucking love Ron. <laughs> I don't know who my Harry is. I guess um, probably one of my cats. But um, I've taken about every quiz, what house are you under the sun that I could possibly find. And I will say that I usually always get Gryffindor. Unless I'm cranky, then I get Slytherin, which I think just speaks volumes about me <laughs> being in Gryffindor. Because we all know, man, there's that fine line. Think about Harry. He almost ended up being Slytherin himself. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, Wait. I'm just an evil bitch. Dan, well, Dan, Dan, Dan. Heart. Important question. Which of your cats is Harry? Um, I would say Velvet. Drogo's a fucking dummy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I have two cats, Velvet, my little adopted cat. She is my princess. I fucking love her. She is eight years old, and, you know, she's super soft. And then there's Drogo, obviously named off of um, one of my favorite Game of Thrones characters. It's important to mention that he is a huge pussy, both in the <laughs> sense that he is a cat and he is a wimp. So <laughs> I like to just throw that out there. It's a real fitting name. <laughs> yes, basically. He's just, oh my God, he's a baby. <laughs> he's about Madam. five. Can confirm. Yeah, can confirm. <laughs> he's a big, dumb idiot. I guess if I had to think of Drogo as a Harry Potter act character, actually, he would be Hagrid. Just this big, dumb dummy that everyone loves. Aw. Yeah. Yeah. That makes Drogo. sense. Dr- Drogo would endanger children. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Drogo's full of love, but he's also full of stupidity. So. <laughs> I love my cats. It's okay. <laughs> That's just how you have to be a cat owner. Like, I love you and also fuck you at the same yeah. time. <laughs> That's legit it. <laughs> So, we're here for a very special bonus episode. So far, all of our bonus episodes have been happy, funny games time, but we are here to talk about a pretty serious subject, J.K. Rowling. In our past couple of episodes, I've been screaming the word canceled every time we mention her name, just as a reminder to our listeners that we take issue, we take umbrage, to say the least, with... Hey. Jackie Rowling's behavior, um, because she's the whole subject of this episode, I will not be doing that because I cannot come up with that many different ways to say the word canceled. That's fair. <laughs> Blanket statement canceled. <laughs> we'll get there. We're going to talk through it, gang. We're going to go into the history and we're going to talk about the future. Um, I asked Haley to lead us in this conversation because she's frankly been paying attention to this issue a little bit longer than I have and so I trust you to be our guide through this adventure. I thank you for this. Um, So what happened people? Uh, (laughs) Very basically I'm not I'm not gonna get into fucking quoting or citing sources or whatever but very basically someone on Twitter used the medically accurate terminology uh, people who menstruate And JK felt the need to comment, hmm, we used to have another word for this. Who who else could that possibly be? (sighs) Like so like root like condescendingly. For real. And you know, not to um, you know, dive right in, but at the same time, being a trans men a man myself, you know, um, you don't menstruate unless you're not on um, a hormone replacement therapy plan. Like, I haven't menstruated in I don't even know how many fucking years, and I'm 100% okay with that. So yeah, I, I think it, like, not to get too much into like our personal friendship, but I think you've mentioned <laughs> to me every time it's happened, and it has been a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were times when I didn't give myself my proper dose because you know there's definitely a learning curve when you're uh, new to hormone replacement therapy so there were a couple times when I was new into my transition that I had some spotting and it was the just the fucking worst experience first of all the the cramps and everything are just amplified because you haven't had them in god knows how long so it's just like 
being hit in the uh, lower stomach with a bag of bricks. And then oh just God. the amount of dysphoria you feel, it's just fucking awful. Like so. it's it, no one wants to nobody wants to be menstruating to begin with. Like it's not fun. And yeah. and then like when it's like it's not even part of your MO, like <laughs> Wait, that's is that accurate terminology. Wait, time out. I just wanna show Danny. The, <laughs> the other cat just came in. Oh, hey That's cutie. Penny. <laughs> uh they come to the door because they can hear me in here and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? But Penny, <laughs> Penny hates the sound of my voice, so she's already trying to get out. <laughs> Bye, Penny. I love you. That is, like, not even a joke. She has she tries to bite my face when I sing. Oh, we've my had, God. <laughs> we've had episodes where, like, Christina was being attacked. Oh, my God. <laughs> she hates the sound of my laughter. Oh, my God. Cats. <laughs> it's it's uh, like Louise and Tina, for, or Louise and... Uh, Linda, Jesus. Yes. Isn't Linda from Bob's Burgers? Oh my god. Yeah. Quality show. No trans <laughs> okay. haters on that show. Uh, yeah. Right? Oh my god. Yeah. They <laughs> <laughs> would never do that to Marshmallow. <laughs> I love Marshmallow. <laughs> Oh. So I think everybody loves Marshmallow. That's fan favorite. Uh, what's not to love, honestly? Um, honestly. So, yeah, basically, it's just some bullshit. Um, God knows why she feels compelled to bring this out during it's Pride like, Month. It's like nobody asked you. Like, like, you stepped the fuck up for this. Like, during a Pride Month where we're particularly focused on the Black trans women of color who like set off stonewall and gave us gay rights like like if you're if you're queer if you're under anywhere under the queer umbrella and we will be using the term queer um it, it, like if you don't know the name marsha p johnson you need to look into that um like like hero of the movement and it just unnecessary it's just unnecessary <sighs> First of all, <laughs> Haley, I predict you're going to be sighing a lot during this episode. I sigh a lot anyway, but now I'm actually annoyed. <sighs> just give me a second. <laughs> you know, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. That's I've, fair. Been, I've been disappointed for a while. This, if you're not aware, because this is, uh, a lot of people are becoming aware of, uh, jk rowling's attitudes towards the trans community for the first time with all of this this is not the first time that she has said some shit um she has uh in the past supported uh other transphobic actions and people very publicly um and then doubled down on it and stood by it when people tried to point out that like hey you're you're a prominent public figure in like progressive circles and you having this attitude is empowering people who are opposed to some of the most vulnerable people in the world. And like, even if this is how you feel, which you're listening to bad information, but even if this is how you feel, like you don't need to be putting that on blast. Yeah, just frankly. shut the fuck up. <laughs> like this is not what we came to you for, JK Rowling. We came to you for magical shenanigans, not your commentary on other people's business. Like, look, it's it's the right of a lot of, like, public figures and especially, like, content creators who make the media that, you know, we grow up with that 
that influences us like if they have political opinions like yeah fine use your platform for that but don't be listening to bad information like make sure that you're you're make sure that you're like listening to all sides and listening to the voices of the people who are getting shit on the most and yes shut upon exactly (laughs) and she's she has bought into a particular ideology which i guess we'll fucking get into um that is commonly known as the turf ideology turf stands for trans exclusionary radical feminist Mm-hmm. It should be mentioned that a lot of people who qualify as TERFs consider TERF to be a quote-unquote slur. It's an acronym, first of all. It's an accurate acronym. Yeah, and also, if it's people, like a clinical word. Yes, and also, if people are using it to insult you, it's because you're being a dick about it. Like, you're not oppressed for that. You're not oppressed for holding the opinion that trans people's identities are invalid. If anything, you are in the majority there because a lot of people are shitty about that. You don't, you don't get brownie points for being shitty. But the thing with turf ideology is that it's based in a very fringe branch of radical feminism that has circled around to like the back door of conservative Christian attitudes towards the gender binary where like all men are like evil predators who are out to like hunt down women and invade their spaces. Like there's a very like wolves and sheep mentality there, like where men are the wolves and women are sheep and the existence of trans or non-binary people or even intersex people really kind of challenges that inherently. So there's a distinct hostility toward the anyone who doesn't fall one way or the other, specifically towards uh, transgender women who are viewed in this mentality as basically wolves in sheep's, uh, sheep's clothing, like men who are dressing up like women to try to invade female spaces, which is not even kind of true. Oh my God. No one wants to invade your space. They just want to fucking pee where they identify. Like, I've, yes. you know, um, I've, I've heard a lot about that. And obviously, it tends to deal more with trans women. I think that trans women are definitely more of a target. And I think that speaking as a trans person, that may be, be because uh, trans women, in all honesty, um, they're usually not as passable. Like you could look at me and not know that I'm trans. A lot of people don't even know that I'm trans until I choose to say it. But unfortunately, trans women, they have a lot more obstacles to overcome, you know? Um, the same mentality kind of like, it, like to a lesser degree uh, does target trans men as uh, like women who are so like, steeped in self-hatred for their femininity that they're like trying to become men um in uh, jk rowling's kind of double down response on this whole situation uh, uh-huh. she did kind of mention like well i just see all these young women like out here there seems to have been ex- an explosion in the last 30 years of young women trying to become men and i wonder if if i had been born 30 years ago maybe i would have been trying to transition which Again, not how that works, not even kind of. Secondly, if you mean that in good faith, if you're not just saying that to be shitty, 
you might have some stuff to examine about yourself. <laughs> like, like a lot of people really just do not understand the the entire mentality of being transgender. Like I learned so much from you, Dan, when you started transitioning, because we'd mm. been friends for a few years before uh, you made the change. Um, <laughs> and and uh, Like a caterpillar to a butterfly. Yes. <laughs> I am a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> and like, oh. uh, you know, you were, uh, you know, at the time and still, um, really, really good about answering people's questions and explaining things because, yeah, like we've, we've grown up with the gender binary. We really, it's really hard to take yourself out of it. It's really hard to like imagine, you know, what life is like on the other side of that fence. Mm-hmm. And so, so now, now Haley, you're the one I go to with all my questions. <laughs> all of my answers pretty much come from Dan. <laughs> hey. hey. <laughs> so uh, now you've just got it right from the source. Um, sounds so good to that's, me. That's yeah. the thing is like JK Rowling has like 50 million people who would be happy to answer her questions. <laughs> and like she the, just makes shit up. <laughs> she just doesn't want to, she has no she has no desire to like engage about this right she she just wants to be mean in my opinion she wants to be this hateful uh source of information and i just don't get it you know i know that um Haley and i talked about this but it's just so interesting to me that uh she feels this way because you know she created within her fandom a safe space a lot of people who enjoy harry potter myself included when i get into this we were people who didn't identify with the norms in a lot of uh, in a lot of ways and so what she did was she created this whole alternate universe where you could be the person that you wanted to be and it just it's so interesting to me that she one created this universe and this fandom where you could be who you wanted to be but also you know think about it harry grew up in a fucking closet like i know it's referred to as a cupboard in the book but in what's the difference between a, a cupboard it's and a, a closet? Coat closet yeah yeah it's a fucking closet. So she's writing about this character in this fantastical universe where you could be what you want. And the source of this story is a little boy who grew up in a fucking closet. <laughs> like, are you serious, JK? <laughs> and like the, the really insidious thing about like the whole turf ideology is that it does stem from like, it's the radical feminism part of it, mm-hmm. which is, a lot of it is goes way too far. A lot of it is very wrong. A lot of it is very dependent on a false view of the gender binary. But a lot of it also kind of speaks to like feminists. A lot of it is about like keeping women safe. A lot of it is about like women supporting women. And a lot of radical feminists will come out just talking about those parts and people will engage with them and be like, oh yeah, you're right. Like people who have been, you know, victimized, assaulted even, who think like, yeah, I don't really want men in my bathroom or in my club or what have you. And i I feel safest around women. And then these people will kind of draw them in with, well, you can be safe with us, but don't trust these people. These Mm -hmm. people are in disguise. These people are confused. 
and and that's where it gets people so like in her mind she's being a good feminist in her mind she's being she's protecting and supporting women mm-hmm. and it's like doubly shitty because it puts her in this position where she is like you are not as good of a feminist as i am because you don't see it this way exactly like, and it's that's, like, bitch. <laughs> right. That's the, that's the really insidious part like, of it. My feminism simply covers all the fems. Yes. So that's that's really kind of the crux of the bullshit and where it comes from. Haley, would you say it's the horror crux of where they came from? Hey. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. We my love a good Harry Potter joke. This, this is what I'm fucking saying. If you. If you are exclusionary of trans people in your life, this is the kind of quality fucking content that you're missing out on. (laughs) For real. I mean, to speak to what you guys were saying before about, you know, keeping women safe, I'm 100% all down for that. But, you know, when you think about trans women, they just want to be safe too. So if anything, you know, these uh, uh, feminists, you know, uh, should be forming together and supporting these trans women and helping them create the same safe space for them. A lot of the trans people that I know, myself included, have also dealt with some type of abuse, whether it be physical or mental, something like that. They've uh, dealt with discrimination. A lot of things that unfortunately a lot of women deal with, because let's be real, our society does not like you if you're a woman, um, especially if you're a trans woman. And I think you hit the nail right on the head earlier, uh, Haley, when you mentioned that some people feel that trans women are just guys dressed in women clothes and that could you know that's so far from the truth not only are you dismissing their identity but you're just dismissing everything that a person represents and when you think about it it's just wild when uh jk said you know 30 years ago would i have done this well the fact of the matter is a lot of trans people don't come out until they're older in life um myself personally I wish I had come out younger. Something that I'm seeing a lot in the younger generation is I'm seeing children, you know, um, being educated and feeling more comfortable to come out at an early age. I've seen kids as young as nine years old starting therapy and working through their gender identity issues and, you know, working towards hormone replacement therapy for when they're at puberty age and they could start. You know, myself, I didn't start transitioning until I was like, I don't even know how old I was, but I was a senior in college when I started. Yeah, we we were what, 21, 22? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty late in life for me. And even though my transition started later in life, uh, to a degree, I definitely always knew. Um, You know, I remember when I was a kid, I would have dreams, for example, about a magical fairy dust type of thing that would turn me into a boy like shit like that you know and that's the kind of shit that (laughs) that trans kids who read harry potter that's the kind of shit that magic inspires you know exactly maybe it can be easy like maybe it will be magic yeah right you know think about um in book two the polyjuice potion for example oh my gosh (laughs) When I read book two, probably for the first time, one of my first thoughts was definitely like, fuck, I'd use that polyjuice potion and I'd turn myself into the image of myself in my brain, not who I am, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or who I was, I should say. Right. 
And I think like, I think specifically with the women, with the issue of like trans women, like the thing that a lot of people have trouble wrapping their heads around is like, why would you nerf yourself that way? Mm-hmm. And, and like, if you're born, you know, assigned male at birth, which like, let's just very briefly touch on this. What you're assigned at birth is not based on your chromosomes at all. They don't like do a blood test on the baby and be like, well, you've got a Y, so that's yeah. a boy. It's like a pocket knife rule in school, how they're like, well, it's, well, the blade is less than three <laughs> inches, so technically this is allowed. Like, they basically look Ma'am, at whatever. That's a lethal weapon. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but literally, though, like, they'll look at like whatever is between the baby's legs, and like, if you're not aware of this, um, the genitals like the external genitals um of human beings basically exist on a sliding scale so the female clitoris is basically like a very small dick the dick is basically a very large clitoris Mm -hmm. um women have gonads there are ovaries um i um, male gonads are like a uh, are there balls obviously i learned very recently the actual definition of the word gonad this week i I learned what i was like funny word but then (laughs) They went on to talk about it scientifically in this other podcast that I was listening to, and I was like, damn, that's a real-ass word. Yeah, like, so very basically, like, the, the, what we consider, like, male and female genitalia are, like, mirror each other. Uh, intersex people are way more common than you think they are. They make up, I think, uh, about 2% of the population, which is about as many redheads as there are in the world. So wow. however many redheads you've seen this week, you've seen that yeah. many intersex people. I know That's a lot of wild. redheads. Yes, exactly. Wow, um, I had no idea. And like a lot of intersex people like have no idea that they're intersex because most of what we consider gender markers are secondary uh, sex characteristics. So, so like titties. Um, titties are a secondary sex characteristic. But take it from me, you don't need titties. (laughs) It's true. It's true. (laughs) But like, so basically like when a baby is born, they just like look at whatever is between its legs and they're like, all right, well that's, that little bump is, that's, that's dick sized. That's, so that's a boy. And if it's, (laughs) and, and if the bump isn't that big, then they're like, all right, well that's probably a girl. And if the bump is like a little too big to be like a normal quote unquote girl and a little too small to be a normal quote unquote boy, sometimes they'll actually perform surgery without informing the parents, uh, to reduce the size to normalize the genitalia. Um, Why do they not tell the parents? Because they, I, Exactly. They're like this is normal birth stuff. We're just gonna yeah. fix up this genitalia right here. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna throw this in as a bonus service. <laughs> right. That like, is wild. Wow. Yeah. Um. So like a lot of people uh, don't. Uh, a lot of people have like alternate uh, chromosomes to what they think they are. Like live as a woman, raised as a woman. As far as they know, like from looking at their themselves and their body, they're a woman. And then they might find out that they actually have a Y chromosome. Holy but their androgens, shit. like their androgens basically pushed all of their uh, secondary sex characteristics to manifest as feminine. Basically, gender, like sex does not work the way that you think it works. Sex is a a lot more, like sex doesn't, sex is a lot more complicated than you learned in like high school biology. Most things are. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, well, these kids can only count up to two. So we're going to go with the girls and the boys. Right. A lot of people are kind of on both sides of like the political progressive fence will reject uh, trans identities. They'll reject non-binary identities just Mm -hmm. out of hand because they don't like 
the idea of the sex and gender binary is so entrenched in our society that trying to challenge that is really difficult, which is why trans women are honestly like some of the bravest people in the world, because you were born with access to all of the possible advantages that you could have from being quote unquote, a man and decided, no, that's not me. I'm going to live authentically I'm going to live my truth and if that means that I have to live as a woman with all of the challenges that that comes with and more then fuck it because I would rather I would rather risk death than not be true to myself hell yeah hell yeah and you know Simkis uh, sorry Haley uh Danny you can just fucking use my last name I don't care okay all right right, Uh, that's that's consent everybody just to clarify (laughs) for everyone everyone from my college days calls me by my last name which is Simkis it's very silly don't worry about it (laughs) (laughs) um but to build off what you were saying earlier about chromosomes I can't speak to my chromosomes I've never had that analysis done I definitely want to one of these days but from my experience um when I was first starting out with hormone replacement placement therapy, you go through a lot of blood tests before you could even be put on something. Uh, so when my doctor who was, uh, is a trans woman, by the way, um, you know, there's know that. not That's cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, she's no longer in practice, which is a bummer. So I have to go with like a normal doctor because, you know, trans doctors are few and far between. So it was awesome to have her while I had her. I definitely learned a lot from her and she helped me I guess, grasp with my family's struggle. Um, Not to deviate too much from my point, but something that she said really resonated with me when I was early in my transition, especially because, you know, my mom didn't really understand it. My dad was a bit resistant, but he just, you know, grew to accept me as much as he possibly could. And I stress as much as he could, you know, Um, but something that she said to me that's always resonated with me is think about it in this sense your family and your friends they knew you as one person especially your family so in one way it's like they're mourning the loss of who that person was but it's giving birth to who you really are Mm -hmm. so that really spoke to me you know um sometimes i think about my mom and how she struggled may have struggled with my transition how she struggled with the death of you know her daughter and the birth of her son and you know to circle back to the chromosome stuff when i was going through my blood tests there was a point where i was just super upset because i thought that i would never be able to be on testosterone and really start my transition and yeah there's some foods that you could eat to boost testosterone in your system to lower your estrogen but you know and that's great for some people but for me i wanted to go um balls to the wall you know i wanted to yes i said that. <laughs> i'm like you got your faces that was intentional <laughs> but Pretty good i joke. thank you <laughs> I wanted to be on hormone replacement therapy. I wanted my physical features to change faster. And for a while, it didn't look like that was a possibility for me because when my blood work was done, my doctor found that I, you know, at the time being female, I already had a very high uh, rate for, you know, female assigned female birth I had high levels of testosterone already so she was really questioning whether or not it would be medically appropriate for me to be on hormone replacement therapy she was very yeah she was very concerned about 
the effects on my body. Like I can't speak to this in medical terms. I wish I could, but she mentioned something about my liver. She was very concerned with um, overloading my liver, I guess, basically. And have we mentioned that we're not doctors? Yeah, (laughs) we are not doctors (laughs) for sure. So for a, a while I was concerned that I couldn't even medically transition that I would have to do things naturally and for some people that's 100% what they want but I wanted the medical transition you know I I didn't want to wait and you know shove broccoli into my face every day and hope I grew a beard broccoli is a testosterone booster fun fact you know I want I eat so much broccoli (laughs) (laughs) we'll stop eating broccoli and your titties will get bigger (laughs) wow that is not worth it oh my god and I, I, sleep, th- I sleep on my face, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. There are some things that I avoid in my diet because they help produce estrogen. And obviously, with hormone replacement therapy, I can't stop my body from producing estrogen. But what I do is I inject myself with testosterone to cancel out the estrogen. So, for example, I'm lactose intolerant. And uh, so I drink soy milk, even though soy milk, you know, soy, and again, not doctors here, but the soy plant mimics a lot of the behaviors of estrogen from what I've learned. So, yeah. So even with my soy milk, which I'll use in, you know, my coffee or my cereal, I fucking love cereal, especially when I'm stoned because I love the crunch. So I try Mm. to limit Mm -hmm. the amount of cereal that I have because I don't want that much plant-based estrogen in my system. Wow, it's really crazy how like every little thing you do and really especially every little thing you eat has has just like so much going on. It's like impossible it's impossible to like fully control all the levels of everything you eat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Danny, I, I remember um, a couple of years ago, like when I think you'd been on HRT for a while, but like you were you were worried about your beard. Um, and our friend, our other friend, Ryan, um, was also for different reasons worried about growing out his beard. So it became like your manly journey together <laughs> to oh make your beards grow. It really that was. Is- so wholesome. <laughs> it was really <laughs> funny. Man, like just as just as like a side note to kind of build off of that, like you can't know, not even cis people. Like I, I consider myself essentially cis. Like I've con- I've thought about like I might be gender queer somewhere under that umbrella, but like it's my gender identity just like isn't even important enough to me to really get it like open that can of worms. Really, your your gender is bog witch. Yeah, my, <laughs> my gender is bog witch, exactly. Can confirm. I, I identify confirm. as a bog witch. Everyone knows it. Um, That's fair. Our first college, I mean, we basically had a, that swamp outside of our dorm room, that bog. We did. So, I mean, <laughs> fuck, you really are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we used to play Ouija board and, and commune with the swamp ghosts. Oh, my so, God. We um, were such idiots. I love it. <laughs> we were. We were fools. Um, but, like, I... I, I, of course, also have not had my uh, chromosomes tested because almost nobody actually has. But I've got, I've got a neared, I've got a neck beard. It's really bad. Like I've got, I've got like the kind of patchy facial hair that like you, that like a 17 year old boy would cultivate proudly. And like, I have to deal with that. And like, it's annoying. But my point is that like, even if you're cis, like you, there are secondary sex characteristics that you have probably somewhere of like the quote unquote wrong gender. Like it's, 
Yeah. It's not that uncommon, and you can't tell just from looking at people. Like you, you can't like start shit with people. Like you've, we've seen things with people. You know, I think a few years back there was like a video of um, like a, a bunch of teenagers in uh, the ladies' room, and one of them was kind of like a little little teenage butch lesbian, and like the security guard wherever they are was like trying to drag this kid out while all of her friends were screaming like, "That's a girl! That is a girl!" and like the the obsession with whether somebody is one or the other and whether they're in the right bathroom is just absolutely absurd and it's creepy it, it is. is creepy it's just very like, creepy it's like i don't have to tell you like what is going on in my pants dude it, like, it's really none of your business like for real it, though it, deeply and profoundly it is none of your business for Haley, real briefly just a couple more hairs in that beard, and you're gonna have a real swarthy pirate look going on. I'm Hell just yeah! Gonna tell you, I support it. And you know, <laughs> to build off what you were saying, Haley, um, I know I mentioned this earlier. Obviously, I had high levels of testosterone, and again, I haven't had my chromosomes looked at. I hope to one day. But you know, my mom and my grandma, for example, their mustache game is better than mine. So oh, I, I shave. think, yeah. So yeah, I, I shave just, mine. Yeah, I just think high testosterone runs in my family, you know? So, like, I yeah, remember... I'm, I'm, sh I'm sure it's hereditary, and I'm sure there's some racial elements to that, too. You know, there's definitely certain ethnicities that are, you know, hairier. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fucking hairy Italian. I know it, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> that's just what's up, you know? But I remember being in the car with my grandma and my grandma keeps a fucking disposable razor in her car. <laughs> and like when she has to go out to like go um, in to do something, she'll just like give her face a little one once over. That's you know? actually brilliant. Yeah. And adorable. <laughs> yeah. My mom waxes her mustache and I'm just like, well... I don't have a mustache as thick as yours, so that's interesting. <laughs> a lot of ladies have to wax and pluck a lot of things. We're not going to get deep into all of the terrible, like, <laughs> body standards set for women, but, like, there are many, and one of them is you're not supposed to have hair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's some bullshit. So, yeah, so that's that's basically what fucking happened. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit about um, like when she like what she's done in the past basically I mean just more of the same I guess it, but just more of the same really and like it's I think there have been like two or three incidents um, it's like I'm I don't want to get too much into it just because I don't even want to give it that kind of power you know I gotcha. but like but suffice it to say that this is not her first offense and like and again like I'm not mad I'm just disappointed like obviously yeah. this doesn't directly affect me but it affects people that I care about and affects like an issue that I care about um, yeah and but mostly I'm just disappointed because I know where this mentality is coming from and ultimately it's coming from a place of fear like it's coming from a from a place of fear of like men basically like like patriarchal violence which valid and it's coming from a place of fear of like trying to it's coming from the fear that i think a lot of people have that we're seeing a lot of right now in the world of re-examining the way you look at the world and that's mm -hmm. difficult but it's it, just because it's difficult, that's not an excuse to not try to do it. 
Yeah. Right? Like, think about um, JK's generation. You know, her generation, they're just afraid of the unknown. I have family members that, like, won't even look at me anymore. I have this cousin that I actually recently deleted on Facebook because he would just indirectly post insults about me. Like, he shared this meme of a little mm. girl, and it was like, I'm a beautiful little girl. Please stop uh, telling me that I'm a boy. Like, stupid shit like that. And it's just... It, it's just awful and I think that as a generation they're all afraid of change and not only are they afraid but they're just ignorant and intolerant to it and another huge thing that I want to mention is just look at the timing of her most recent statements they happened obviously in June in Pride Month I mean of course they were happening before I'm sure they're going to continue to happen afterwards um, and not to get too much into politics but I think the most the more recent out Outbursts. I'm going to refer to them as outbursts, little yeah. fucking baby tantrums. I think a lot of them have been fueled by what's in the media and the hate that Trump inspires in her generation and in a lot of older generations. And I really think that part of this is obviously the way she truly feels, which alone is disgusting to me. But I think a lot of it is just she feels not only um, a certain type of way, but she feels that she has a right to say these things mm. because of who we have in office. I mean, th just think about the terrible things he says about, you know, people that aren't you know fucking rich old white men and of course for her to say these things in june i really think that part of this was uh just a big fuck you to the queer community thinking that she has the right and the obligation to her generation to say these things and i also partly think that her most recent statements were a publicity stunt i mean there's no such thing as bad advertising and whether we hmm. like it or not, she is trending on so many social networking platforms right now. And, yeah. you know, it's just, it, it's disgusting. And I think that a lot of it is really, she's trying to get the publicity and uh, it just fucking sucks. Honestly, it, there, there's a definite element of like self-righteousness there. 100%. Yeah. Well, she, I mean, she's arguably the most famous person in our generation and we've been giving her a a lot of our attention and a lot of praise for a really long time and it's clear that it's gone to her head and she takes her platform for granted 100 yeah it, it kind of it's something that um i i kind of think of as like joss whedon syndrome where like content creators who get very very popular or got very very popular in like the 90s early 2000s and were sort of lauded at the time as being highly progressive and diverse and touching on all of these social issues and doing like a really really good job of like bringing attention to them and then you know fast forward you know 10 15 20 years suddenly they've kind of fallen behind because they don't continue to evolve with the times they don't continue to like they don't continue to listen to the voices of marginalized people they don't continue to listen to the ongoing conversations that surround these things it's like an older family member who's like i know how to use the computer but they're on like <laughs> windows 98 and it's like oh you're not going to be able to check my snapchat on this grandpa yeah and and you know so now when we try to when we the fan base kind of try to call her out for um transphobic comments or even like diversity issues in the books instead of just saying like hey i hadn't considered it i didn't think of it that way 
but please tell me more explain to me and i will yeah. try to do better she overview like, your materials yes and she instead like refuses to get down off of her pedestal that we put her on um yeah. and and come down to you know ground level and listen to people instead she's just like no i'm i'm a progressive paragon and i'm right and shut up and fuck you mm-hmm. yeah. i think it's important to mention that you know in uh preparing myself for this podcast, I did reread the first couple of Harry Potter books, and um, I definitely want to watch the movies again now, and I want to finish the series. I made it to book three prior to this, and I'm going to continue with the rest of the series. But anyway, I in, pre- in preparation for this, I focused a lot on how J.K. described her characters, and one thing that I really want to mention in this is that um, I was really looking for distinguished uh, characteristics in her characters and JK never really focuses on a person's uh, color never really focuses on a person's race which you can argue is a good thing you know we never want to be focusing on that stuff but in a lot of her district descriptions they're very simple they're very plain and something that she likes to use a lot in her descriptions of people especially in the family like the Malfors for example is she'll describe them as um, being these pale people with pale colored hair and pointy features and to me you know without getting too much into um uh bigger issues that we may have um to me it just really especially emphasizing on the pale and the um the blonde hair and the pointed features it really sounded like you know hitler's ideology of what a perfect human should be this pale blonde creature you know and that's really it it spoke volumes to me and when you think about that more think about you know the death eaters and their little pact if we were to think about it in the terms of you know um uh, of uh, Hitler's crew there, they they would be, uh, the Death Eaters would be like Hitler's people, Hitler's army. You know, they're out purifying. And when you think about the fact that the, um, the Malfors are so obsessed with keeping the wizarding line clean, you know, um, in preparation for this again, I focused on a chapter in book two where Draco first calls Hermione a mudblood. And then they go to Hagrid's hut for some tea as Ron is puking up slugs because his wand backfired because, you know, he broke it in the Whomping Willow thing. Um, and, you know, Harry has no idea what a mudblood is. He and just neither knows, does Hermione. Yeah, he just knows it's bad. And then, and obviously Ron, because he grew up in the wizarding world, he knows what a mudblood is. And that's why he jumps to Hermione's defense which and you know tries to curse uh malfoy which obviously we know backfires exactly yeah it backfires and he has to puke out slugs and then you know hagrid explains to them what a mugblood is and more importantly hagrid tells us his views that he thinks it's disgusting and that you don't need to keep the wizarding line pure you know like we've definitely uh, touched on that before um and like but i think that kind of goes back to you know, JK being on that pedestal of like, well, I made I made this kind of Nazi analogy. So therefore, I'm definitely a good person. I'm definitely, you know, I've, I've set myself up as being this voice of progressivism and inclusivity. She's like, so, I invented Hufflepuff. Okay, I love everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so now when people, you know, try to tell her like, hey, like, You've got some you've got some black characters in there, you've got some Indian characters in there, but like they're bit parts and you could have done better with that. Like 
sometimes she's okay with it and sometimes she is just like well yeah but if you consider that like all you had to say all you had to say was i was writing this in the 90s before this was a big part of the public conversation and i wasn't really focusing on that and i'm sorry and i'll try to do better in future works yeah Mm -hmm. that's all you had to do since um since the black lives matter uh, protests have started what like three or four weeks ago now which is very very cool so many celebrities have come out apologizing for their former works and making changes you know promising changes and making changes and that's really all you can do nobody's gonna hold you accountable for not not knowing something we're all born not knowing anything you know and as long as you're always trying to do better you know that's all all any of us can fucking do exactly 100 percent. you know um there's so like you mentioned there's so many shows that are removing removing episodes like uh 30 rock removed a bunch of episodes with blackface for example stuff like like, that i I, that one i'm like why did that happen that wasn't (laughs) that long ago like i think i i i don't really watch 30 rock but like my understanding is that the in the episodes it was supposed to be like the satirical like this is obviously wrong but like even still you you don't have to do it yeah let's just not touch it exactly like uh one of the writers of friends i think i actually shared this on my facebook but one of the writers of friends came out and apologized for a bunch of the you know gay related humor in friends and i absolutely fucking love the show friends um but when i watched the episodes where they make fun of gay people or where they implied that you know chandler slept with a man dressed as a woman it obviously upsets me but at the same time i know that in the time that that show was going on they didn't know what they knew now and it was basically these jokes were built out of fear of the unknown like think about mrs doubtfire sorry keep going well, I love that, it, but it's so bad. <laughs> that, that, that both of those came out in a time period where the the word gay was like a huge diss. So it's For like real. you can only expect society to be so progressive when, you know, common culture is throwing around the word gay like it's like the worst <laughs> insult you can imagine. So it it is cool that these creators are apologizing. One hundred is is all well with your cats. Yeah, they just keep asking to come in and come out again, which is a little annoying. But like you know, that's cats. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty classic cat stuff. Well, um, the door has been closed for three seconds, so now I would like to enter again. <laughs> yes, exactly. Before we get um, before we get off J.K. Rowling entirely, I know we're going to move into some other territory. There's just one aspect of her whole story that I'd like to at least address. Um, we touched on it, but. Um, part of her d- doubling down defense, her triple D, if you will, um, <laughs> entails her worrying about the invalidation of her own experience as a woman. And like that includes her history of abuse um, with her like ex-husband that abused her. To her, these things are like all tied up together. And I think, Haley, um, when you were talking about her feeling that trans women are a wolf in sheep's clothing i think that she claims her history of of abuse as like uh, as like the explanation for that she's like i have this experience that you don't have and so like my opinion is valid and it's just one of those things where it's like an explanation and not an excuse 
Like it's, I, was was he wearing a dress at the time? Like, is that where the trauma is stemming from? Because otherwise those two things have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> well, I think that's where her just like general fear of men comes from. Mm-hmm. And like, listen, a lot of, uh, a lot of women, cis and otherwise, have had poor experiences with men. Like we have- uh, The fucking Me Too movement, dude. Yeah, like, like, yeah. But like, here's the thing. The people who suffer from misogyny really the most, like the most potently really, are probably trans women. Yeah, because again, they're, they're people who are going out of their way to be women. So mm-hmm. like, there's, there's a lot of confusion around that. And there's a lot of anger around that, weirdly. Like, yeah. plus, like, it kind of gets into the politics of like, if you are a dude who considers himself to be straight and cis, and you fall in love with a beautiful woman, and then you're about to go to pound town, and you find <laughs> out that she has a penis and is a transgender woman, does that make you gay? No, it doesn't. It's your attraction to someone physically and whether you're in love with them is a complicated and personal situation. Mm-hmm. If you are, if you don't consider yourself particularly attracted to dicks, but you fall in love with a beautiful trans woman who happens to have a penis and you, listen, love will find a way. It's like Jeff Goldblum says, life will find a way. <laughs> you will figure that shit out. If you're a lesbian and you fall in love with, uh, with a trans woman and you're not particularly into penises, you've got strap-ons, you can figure it out. There's a way around that, but that's not, whether or not you're gay or bi or whatever, doesn't have, it's not inherently wrapped up in the genitals of your partner. It's, it has to do with your own, your own experience with gender and your partners. And that's a deeply personal thing. And you can't categorize that across the board. You fall in love with people. You don't fall in love with genitals. Obviously, it gets to a point where you want to see their genitals, where you want to do stuff with their genitals, you know. But, I'm in love you know, with your genitals. Exactly. You don't look at a person and be like, mm, let me see your dick so I can fall in love with it. Yeah. You, 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 it's just ridiculous. Yeah, everyone's experience <laughs> with both sex and love is so different. I mean, for me, again, you know, I've said this enough now, I am a trans man and I consider myself straight, but at the same time, like, I learned, um, and I won't get into this too much, I mean, Haley knows about this, but I learned (laughs) that I do not enjoy sex with men, uh, other men, but I learned that I definitely have an attraction to other men, so... I could see myself being in a relationship with a man, but it wouldn't be a a physical, a sexual relationship, you know? So it's just interesting how how our sex and our gender and how really what we want and what we're attracted to can sometimes conflict with another, with, you know, um, what we are and what we like. Like I could definitely see myself you know, in a relationship with a man, but it would definitely be a non-sexual one, so he would have to fucking deal with that. (laughs) So, and, you know, some people are into that. Some people are fine having a relationship without sex. For me, I definitely want to be having sex in a relationship, but I want to be having sex with women, and that's not because I'm intolerant of other men. It's just because that's what I like. (laughs) Yeah, so. really, it's it's all about mutual understanding and mutual consent. And the key point of that word mutual is that there's like 
two, maybe up to three to four sometimes people involved. <laughs> and, like, no one else has to be fucking involved. So, JK Rowling, stop tweeting about it because it's not about you. For yeah. Haley, Haley, where are we going next? <laughs> um, so, I think next we can kind of touch on, you know, what, it, what does this mean? So, what does this mean for Harry Potter nerds? Like, what, True. like, can you... Because we do live in the age of cancel culture where if a content creator says or does something bad or said or did something bad at some point and that comes to light and they don't apologize sufficiently, then they and all of their works are forever canceled and no one can enjoy them again. Otherwise, you also are problematic. Can I, um, can I read what, what Daniel Radcliffe wrote? Yeah. Um, okay. He says a lot of nice, supportive things about trans people, which is not the point I'm trying to make here. He's a good boy. Damn, he, Daniel. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he, I'm still learning how to be a better ally. If you want to join me in learning more, I love him so much. Okay, here, here we are at the end. To all the people who now feel that their experience of the books has been tarnished or diminished, I am deeply sorry for the pain these comments have caused you. I really hope that you don't entirely lose what was valuable in these stories to you. If these books taught you that love is the strongest force in the universe, capable of overcoming anything, if they taught you that strength is found in diversity and that dogmatic ideas of pureness lead to the oppression of vulnerable groups, if you believe that a particular character is trans, non-binary, or gender fluid, or that they are gay or bisexual, if you found anything in these stories that resonated with you and helped you at any time in your life, then that is between you and the book that you read, and it is sacred. And in, yeah. my, in my opinion, nobody can touch that. I hope it means to you what it means to you, and I hope that these comments will not taint that too much. First of all, Daniel Radcliffe's in my top five celebrity crushes. I love him so much. <laughs> He's a beautiful, tender spirit, and yeah. I adore him. Same. I'd consider a sexual relationship with Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> Just like, like, really? Everyone has their exceptions, you know? Yeah. When I was like 12 and the movies were coming out, I was like, oh yeah, Harris Potter is so cute. Just because like, that's what 12 year old nerds be like. But by the time we got to like the sixth, seventh movie, I was like, damn, he's pretty attractive as like an adult human. And then by the time I got old enough to have access to YouTube and be able to listen to Daniel Radcliffe just talking like a normal person, I was like, oh my God. I love this man. I, yeah. I love him uh, for being the weirdo that he is, but I can never, I can never be attracted to him because twelve-year-old Harry Potter looked unsettlingly like twelve-year-old Haley. Oh, you know what? That's that's true. <laughs> I've never that's shown amazing. you guys pictures of me with short hair. Like, oh dear. Really short hair. Like when, when, I was in, when I was in fifth grade, I got all of my hair cut off and it was before it got curly. Um, so I did very much look like babe. Like I didn't, I didn't look like one gender or the other yet. Like I hadn't reached that point in puberty. So I just looked like baby Daniel Radcliffe straight <laughs> up. I oh, bet so you you're adorable. Yeah. I bet you anything if I were to text your mom right now asking for a picture of, you know, baby Simkis at that age, <laughs> she would probably send me like 14. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> she burned all of those. She really? got rid of as many as she could. You would have to hit up my Aunt Becca because she's what? the only one who still has a copy of that photo. What all a right. supportive mom. <laughs> <laughs> Aunt Becca, if you're listening, email me. <laughs> and Becca, um, don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. So, do it. <laughs> so so that was a really beautiful thing by, from Daniel Radcliffe. I read that from the, the Trevor Project's website 
but like is that practical like what about what about the people who are so hurt by this and feel so unseen i don't know um not not everyone can feel this way uh i could definitely speak to it you know um obviously i want to hear your guys's opinions too but as a trans person i can say that one i am thoroughly disappointed and two for me um JK, uh, JK's comments will never take away from me what, you know, the Harry Potter series represents to me personally. And especially when I was a child, when I was struggling with my identity and uh, obviously in my gender identity, but in so many other ways, like I was just a mess prior to my transition. And in a lot of ways, I still am. But not only has my transition made me the person I wanted to be, but I think it's just made me a better person in general because I feel better about who I am. But um, for me, the Harry Potter series was an escape and JK's comments will never take that away from me. I fully support the people who feel that they need to black out JK and Harry Potter. Um, and I get it. I really do. But for me personally, I'm gonna, uh, you know, I'm, I'm rocking Harry Potter from cradle to grave basically. And I just want to say that I know I've seen on social media a lot, a lot of trans people choosing to cover up their Harry Potter tattoos. And I just want to make the statement that I 100% support you. I personally do not have any Harry Potter tattoos right now. Um, I definitely have one planned for in the future. And honestly, I'm still going to get it because, you know, just like Daniel Radcliffe said, she can't take away from me what it represents to me. And Harry Potter will always be a huge part of my life. It was part of shaping who I am. Um, Again, it was an escape and it was a bonding for me for a lot of the people that I care about. And, you know, not just people my age, like my oldest nephew, Tyler, he's getting into Harry Potter. So I passed down to him a bunch of, um, I had a bunch of replica wands from the series because I didn't really want them anymore. Uh, you know, um, I wanted to cut down on the amount of shit in my apartment, basically. So I gave him a bunch of my Harry Potter replica wands. And it's something that he and I bond over. It's something that my cousin Becky and I bond over. It's something that at the time my older sister and I bonded over. It will, her hate will never erase the, the love and the feelings that I have in my heart and that I associate with Harry Potter. Yeah, it's kind of like we all get to have our own relationship with the books, and we're lucky that that relationship with the books can can be completely without J.K. Rowling playing a role in it. Like, yeah. I never think about her when I'm reading the books, and even in this podcast, even before she became, I don't know, before she before this whole fucking shit, um, <laughs> we we constantly as a podcast we constantly refer to her as they. Like, when you're talking about who makes a TV show, like, they should have done it differently. Like, we, we all of us have this weird mental thing where we're just like, they should have written this differently. And it's yeah. like, it's her. We know her name. But, like, that's how much I, like, do not even think about her when I'm reading the books. I'm, I'm thinking about Harry and about his life lessons. And I know for damn sure Harry Potter is a trans ally, okay? <laughs> 100%. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big, um, I'm kind of a big proponent of uh, death of the author. I'm a big proponent of uh, critical enjoyment of media. Like, what do you mean by death of the author? So death of the author is like a literary concept of uh, basically the author's 
intentions and and or uh, anything that they said like extraneously from the text itself doesn't matter um like you you basically can like once the word is on the page the author is effectively dead like Mm -hmm. nothing that they say really matters to the text um and that kind of there's there's a spectrum of beliefs as to how far that extends um and it kind of varies from uh, book to book, series to series. Uh, I don't think that you can fully divorce an author from their work. I definitely, like in rereading the Harry Potter books, uh, I do think about J.K. Rowling sometimes as a writer, because um, I'm a writer myself. So I'll think like, you know, that's, oh, that's really clever how she did that. That's really, or or I'll think, you know, that this could have been handled better uh, very frequently. Um, so I don't think that like you can't pretend that like no one wrote them. You can't pretend that they sprang into existence because J.K. Rowling is a human being who's had experiences in the world and has listened to information, good and bad, on different topics. She's done good and bad in the world, uh, like anyone. It's just that she's on a larger platform and is using it irresponsibly, quite frankly. Um, so you know you you have to you have to read it with a critical eye you have to understand that like the fact that none of the main major characters like the fact that all of the main major characters are white like you have to keep in mind where that's coming from like the fact that like the fact that Gringotts is run by a race of mysterious uh, creatures that control all of the money in the world and have uh, like their own mysterious laws and customs that no one else understands kind of smacks like that kind of smacks of anti-semitism wow why has that never occurred to me before but it's so obvious now i didn't think about it either well that's that's something that's emergent event is shit that has come up like that that's something that people have you know mentioned before and like that's another thing that she'll kind of double down on like oh well i just got that from european folklore european folklore got that from anti-semitic stereotypes like <laughs> you I'm have sure... a responsibility to do better than the folk storytellers of old and like Hell in yeah. all fairness to her on that specific topic again she was writing these books in like the late 90s early 2000s when this wasn't a big part of the conversation when people People yeah. weren't like, hey, you need to look out for, like, these kinds of dog whistles. You need to look out for this kind of shit. Like, like I'm- today, as a writer, you know, Haley, you mentioned you're a writer. I'm a writer, too. It's one of the many reasons we're friends. And, like, I could never, these days, I could never write a book that wasn't mostly queer people of color. Like, that's just the only, I'm like, why would I ever write about more white people doing shit? Right. But she was right. But she was in, you know, the late 90s writing about an English prep school, basically. So yeah, she initially conceptualized all of the characters as white. I don't think that she was thinking about like, the fact that the goblins might come across as an offensive Jewish stereotype at the time, because we sure as shit didn't think of it at first. Like it's until today. It just, (laughs) right? But like, so yeah, maybe she wasn't necessarily keeping these things in mind. Like, and there are, 
there are descriptions of certain characters throughout the series, like Aunt Marge and Rita Skeeter, who can be read as, like, transphobic a little bit. Like, Aunt Marge is, like, this big evil character who has a mustache, and she's, like, mean and beefy. Rita Skeeter is... Oh, I think Aunt Marge is just supposed to be literally Uncle Vernon, but a female. Like, (laughs) they are so similar. (laughs) Yeah. But that is, that's a, that's a comparison that people have drawn. Same with Rita Skeeter. She's described as having, like, thick, stubby fingers and, like, kind of a tacky like drag queenish almost uh fashion sense um kind of even like umbrage too a little bit a little bit like with her like over compensating on the feminism factor yes and and, like you've got so basically you've got like these characters who are cast as bad people having like masculinizing features you have to know where that's coming from. You have to know that like, that's something that was in the back of the author's head that they weren't necessarily aware of, but probably should work on. And you know what? I'm going to keep holding out hope that JK Rowling is going to, someone is going to get through to her. Someone is going to talk sense to her. I will mm-hmm. be ready to accept her apology if and when it comes. Yeah, um, absolutely. That's like such same. an important part of this whole conversation is like patience and forgiveness. Yes, but ultimately I think Think that you can't cancel an entire book or series or anything just because the creator has problematic opinions. Like the, I think like the, the HP Lovecraft uh, fandom ki- has kind of mastered this. Like if you're not aware, HP Lovecraft is like the father of modern horror, like modern conceptual, like fucked up horror. And he was a raging racist and and anti-Semite, even like back in like the days when everyone was kind of racist (laughs) and anti-Semitic. They were like, dude, we're a little anti-Semitic, but like you need to get it together. Like he was naming Eldritch, (laughs) he was like naming Eldritch demons after like figures from Jewish folklore. Like it's it's, like, he has a character. So you just read his books and you're like, big yikes, but well, he's dead, so. (laughs) Exactly, but like the the people who enjoy H.P. Lovecraft are largely like queer people, like queer, queer people and people of color and they confirm right <laughs> and, and most of that most of that fandom has basically said like no this is ours now like fuck you this is ours now that's the honestly like that's the best thing you can do is just right. is just like steal it on back mm-hmm. and uh, like that's really that is the best thing that you can do because otherwise you're going to deprive yourself of a lot of beautiful work. Like every content creator in the history of the world has been an imperfect person with imperfect worldviews that came from a variety of sources, good and bad. And, and that's really all of us. Like we all try to be as educated as we can be. We can all probably be more educated than we are. Um, mm-hmm. And you just kind of have to, you kind of get, you got to roll with those punches. Well said. Well said. Yeah, bravo. Yeah, and also, um, not to, um, uh, oh my god, what was the name of the professor from the first book who had um, Voldemort on the back of his head? Quirrell. Quirrell. Yeah, you're fucking telling me Quirrell was straight? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Purple (laughs) turban, all right. (laughs) Yeah, purple turban, okay, fuck that. Quirrell is not straight. Mm. Quirrell lets all those boys get in his head just a little too much. Even Lockhart. Don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> Even Lockhart. You're telling me Lockhart, uh, Lockhart oh. is straight? No fucking He's way. A- <laughs> he has so many women throwing themselves at him. Tell me, look me in my eyes and tell me that Lockhart has ever <laughs> fucked a woman. 
Pussy in my eyes and tell me he's ever seen a pussy. Like, he's, (laughs) like, not only is Lockhart gay, but he's, like, a Victorian gay, so we can call him a dandy, right? Yes, he is very much a dandy, which is distinct from a fop. Okay, okay. That guy, he's, um, yeah, he's super not straight. And, you know, Haley knows about this and I won't get into it too much because, you know, this isn't what this specific episode is about. But I question uh, Snape's sexuality. I do not believe at all that Snape is forever in love with Lily Potter. I think he was in love with James Potter and that's why he's so salty, you know? Oh my God, that (laughs) would change everything. It's a huge game changer. I think he was massively in loves with James and he was using Lily as his beard. And that's part of why he resents Harry so much. We know that Harry has Lily's eyes, but we know that Harry looks like James. He's haunted by Lily's eyes. Yeah, and he's haunted by the man that he could never have. Not only the man that he could never be, but the man that he could never have. And that really like- fucking gay. That puts (laughs) that adds like a whole another layer of meaning to that one scene that harry has to witness in the pensive of his father flipping um snape upside down and showing his underpants oh then he was gonna take the underpants off remember at the end oh my god oh my god oh my guys i'm I'm not okay (laughs) danny (laughs) you have no idea how much we've been going back and forth on this like we've had shouting matches with andrew about i would i would frame like i cannot accept Snape being in love with Lily forever, but I can accept him being so destroyed over the loss of James and so obsessed with Lily as the one who took him away. Like, I can get behind that. That would honestly be a lot more interesting. It would be so much more interesting. Well, and that's that's just how it is now. It's ours now. (laughs) I'm so glad that you feel this way, too, because I really feel like it's a... One, it's not something I talk about often, but when I do talk about it, I feel like it's such an unpopular opinion. Like, everyone so just uh, romantic romanticizes this relationship that uh, Snape has with Lily. And I'm like, no, he was fucking gay. He wanted to stick in James. So I'm having like a, like I'm having like a chain reaction of epiphanies right now, which is usually what, (laughs) that's usually what happens with Harry Potter because like I have to go through my vast mental encyclopedia of knowledge about Harry Potter. There's also Dumbledore says that, like, the one thing Snape could never forgive James for was saving his life that one day. So imagine, imagine, oh my God, just imagine, imagine it. (laughs) Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Snape was gay and in love with James. (laughs) Wow. This changes everything. Oh my God. That's why he and Sirius hated each other so much because Sirius was also a little bit in love with James. Okay, I'm done. Sorry. (laughs) Okay, so when we were talking, you know, I was thinking about J.K. Rowling and about how... You know, I'm like, she was one of my greatest heroes, and now I'm vastly, you know, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed, yada, yada. And I was trying to brainstorm if there was, like, if there was anything else like this that I could think of in my life. Like, when has a celebrity whose work I really valued, um, like, really just ruined me? And every single instance that I could think of was due to, like, the Me Too movement. It's a bunch of male actors who I'm, I was destroyed to learn have been, like, sexually abusing women. <laughs> Danny Masterson, you, you are so hot <laughs> and that 70s show. Why did you do this? Oh, my God. I um, would never do that shit. I know. Hyde respects women. So, For real. so that's, like, really, I mean... And that kind of stuff, it it leads us into the conversation of, like, you know, Haley, you're saying 
that like we can't cancel an author we can't cancel a work um but like you know we can stop giving them our money and it's really cool that most contemporary harry potter fans already have all the books they need you don't have to give her money anymore and you know we can find secondhand copies for these new readers and the same thing with these these actors from who whose careers have been ruined from the me too movement you know we we don't have to keep giving these people work and we don't have to keep giving them a platform hell yeah yeah that's very true and i think that's kind of where the where the line is of like continuing to enjoy the work and continuing to support the creator yeah i think that like these bloomsbury illustrated hardcovers are still coming out and like my guess is that after that we won't be seeing any new editions for a while. like there's usually at least one really d- sexy new edition of harry potter that comes out every year um there's like the different house editions and there's all these sexy british editions all these sexy american editions and i think i think we're gonna definitely see that slow up which like you know it had to eventually i guess yeah you um, can print it so many ways and so many at least times. at least take like a 10-year break and let us catch up so I, th- I think that, like, this is what's going to cause that. This really epic edition, the Bloomsbury Illustrated Editions, and they're like, all right, we're done, and, like, you're out. Yeah, that sounds about right. And, you know, maybe we'll always have Harry Potter, and just like we still have Lord of the Rings, but maybe it's time for some new, more progressive fantasy author to come dominate that platform. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, really, excited to, I'm really excited to see that. Yeah. Send us your fantasy book recommendations, your YA fantasy book recommendations. Please. Yeah. <laughs> um, add us at, on Twitter at RestrictedPod and, um, or shoot us an email RestrictedSectionPodcast at gmail.com. And we'll, we'll read those books. Yeah. I'll just have to uh, jump on writing a series of, of um, Snape's and, uh, Snape and uh, James's Forbidden Love. <laughs> I'm here for that. <laughs> I'm so here for it. Uh. Take my money. <laughs> uh. So, is, is there anything else left to touch on, Haley? Um, I think so. I think we've about covered everything. Wow, Danny, any last words? Um, I don't think I have any. Uh, actually, I do. Um, I just want to say, you know, to um any of the queer and trans community that may be listening to this, um. I support you. We as a community support each other. And, you know, no matter what uh, hate JK and other people put out there, just know that, um, you know, even if we never meet each other in person, there is a community out there for you. So, you know, don't give up. Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually also going to add on to that uh, to anyone who has never, who's kind of new to understanding, uh, alternate gender identities, transgender, non-binary. If someone in your life begins to transition, and I'm speaking from experience here, treat that as like a gift, like because going through that, like going through that, like with them and witnessing they're going through that is going to make you question everything in the best possible way and you will come out a better and more understanding person for it and i say that as dan's friend who has who you know was was his friend through going through the transition because i learned i learned a lot about you man and i learned a lot about myself you're gonna make me fucking cry (laughs) you're just Uh, drunk shut up oh my god God. you guys are so beautiful friendship (laughs) i love friendship
<laughs> and uh, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling unseen, if you don't know who to talk to, come talk to us because we're here. We're on Instagram. You can email us. Well, you know, I, there's not a lot I can do, but I can send you memes and we yeah. can talk to <laughs> We give a fuck. Sad. Like, we give a fuck. Yeah. And just, you know, go read yeah. Harry Potter if you're feeling sad. Yeah. And remember <laughs> that Snape is gay. Snape is gay. <laughs> Sign off. Just kidding. We have to be plugs still. <laughs> um, Haley, do you need a minute to think? No, I actually that? have one this time. Okay, okay. Go ahead. Um, okay, so if you are so disappointed by all of this that you you need to divorce yourself from harry potter at least for a little while um i am going to plug uh something that might fill the void of uh late 90s early 2000s uh ensemble adventure series of teenagers fighting tyranny and oppression um whose author is not a gigantic turf uh and that is the animorph series it's yes it's many 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 books uh it's a bunch of kids who gain the power from aliens to turn into animals and fight other parasitic aliens that are trying to take over the world um it's super cool it's pretty good on the diversity front especially for the time period it was written the author um is the mother of a trans child and is very outspoken and supportive of the community they're beautifully written they're hilarious they're super cool check them out hell yeah okay yeah how about you danny what what do you have to plug I do have a couple of books that I think are great. Um, For example, I have here, I'm holding in my hand, um, a book called Tomorrow Will Be Different. It's a story of love, loss, and the fight for trans equality. It's by Sarah McBride. McBride, sorry. Um, And let me tell you, I read this book and I cried like a fucking baby. Um, The foreword is by Joe Biden. I have mixed feelings about Joe Biden. But um, Sarah McBride, um, she's she's actually in politics um, and there's not many trans people involved in politics. So definitely, you know, whether you're interested in politics or not sarah mcbride has just this a beautiful voice and a beautiful story about um losing her trans husband and how they transition together basically and um another book i have it's more educational um it's called is gender fluid i actually bought this when i flew out to see you a couple uh years ago uh haley um, at that bookstore you introduced me to. Oh, I forget yeah. the name of it. I remember yeah. you buying that. Yeah. So I, it, oh, that's it. Yeah, I knew it had something to do with that. Um, and it's written by Sally Hines. Um, I think it's very informative and it talks about a lot of, you know, issues in history in past and present and kind of relating them to the queer world and queer culture. So if you haven't uh, read them already, definitely check them out only read tomorrow will be different if you're ready to cry your fucking eyes out um because i sure did (laughs) so it sounds like a really beautiful story it really is it truly is you know um i don't want to give too much of it away but sarah like me um she transitioned in college and 
being um, a, a member of the political world and being trans, that's not something that a lot of trans people have branched out into, whether it be for not being involved in politics or for fear, because, you know, we know that, um, unfortunately, politics aren't on our side in the trans community. So I think that Sarah McBride has a lot of good stories to tell and her love story with her husband is just absolutely beautiful. And I consider her an inspiration, honestly. Awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> well, I'm your host, Christina. You can follow me on Instagram at Ea Girl of the World. You can follow me on Twitter at Tina Fontina. And I'm going to plug a book I finished reading a couple weeks ago. We're now passing it around the office at Brandy Lane. Um, it's called White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo. And, um, you know, the title kind of says it all. So it's one of those books that as a white person, you see it and you be like, ouch. And then you're like, oh, you got me. Okay, I guess I need to read this. Like the whole purpose of the book is basically to just like help white people see how we built this world for ourselves and how it just constantly fucks everyone else. It's very, very enlightening. Roll, roll somber, not not a feel good book, but um, I think like a really crucially important book for white people to read. And it also gives some advice on how to be less shitty and how to be less complacent. It's kind of like a field guide for white people to be able to see <laughs> and identify and act. So I recommend it. Thank you guys for being here. I know it wasn't all fun and games, but we managed to laugh a couple times. Yeah. Um, and I have my favorite new headcanon of the year, which is <laughs> Snape loves James Potter. Hell yeah. Thank you guys um, for having me. I yeah. really had a good time and I appreciate you guys just wanting to hear more about the trans and queer perspective. You know, that's always, always a good thing. So. Yeah, <laughs> always. And Danny, we're excited for you to come back to talk about a chapter of Chamber of Secrets. Hell yeah. yeah. My spooky snake voice. <laughs> All right. Well, get the fuck off my computer screen. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks so much for having this conversation with us today. And, you know, it's a conversation that that isn't over. Not only because JK Rowling is probably going to tweet some other belligerent shit later, but also because this is an ever-evolving topic and we barely scratched the surface today. So, as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can email us at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at restrictedsectionpod or Twitter at restrictedpod. If you or someone you know is having a really hard time with this issue and needs help, I'm going to put the Trans Lifeline number in our show notes, or you can go to translifeline.org to learn about some more resources. I'm going to leave you today with a little food for thought. JK, if you're listening, this one's for you. You fail to realize that it matters not what someone is born, but what they grow to be. That's Albus Dumbledore from Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Stay strong, potheads. We're all in this together. The Restricted Section was created and hosted by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Technical support from Sean Watson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at restrictedsectionpod or shoot us an email at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or lavish praise.
Simkis knows this. I'm in a good way, of course. You know, just um, I'm kind of obsessed with Hitler. Just I find him and his army just absolutely <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> yeah, like I don't agree with anything that he stood for, but like he, I find him. Fa- he really he's fascinating. is. I'm reading you a know. book right now set in. I'm reading all the light we cannot see. You know that one? It's uh-huh. set in. World War II Paris. It's very scary. So I've also it. had Hitler on the brain lately. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I've been just reading so much about Hitler's art that when I mentioned the art museum thing and Simkis didn't know, I'm like, let me fucking tell you about all the art missing still. <laughs> uh, but like, Haley, you should read up on that because it's really insane. I knew about the, the art theft. I didn't, I didn't realize that it was like a concentrated thing. Yeah, one of his goals was to bring the, all the important art of his time um, back to his um, hometown and create the biggest uh, and most diverse art museum. And Hitler also, um, he hated, uh, oh my God, what are the words? Um, there was I mean, specific, Yeah, <laughs> but there was a specific genre of art that he hated. So oh when yeah, he, I've heard that too and I don't remember what it was. Yeah, so when he went around and collected a bunch of the art, um, he also destroyed a lot of important art. A lot of the pieces that are still missing went missing because Hitler and his fucking henchmen took them and they have never been recovered. Like, there's still thousands of do- millions of dollars worth of gold that is missing. Swedish gold. I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> this was, uh, I think, like, uh, you were talking about World War II, like, a while ago, and I think... Uh, when am I not talking about World War II? <laughs> <laughs> like, so, when, when you first started transitioning, like, it made, of course, it made, like, all of us question, like, what is inherently, like, male and female, especially, like, when you t- think about, like, interests, like, and I think one of, like, the defining characteristics of men in our culture is, like, they're always obsessed with at least one war, like it's either World War Two, World War One, the Civil War. So wait, like, are you saying that this is when you knew Danny was like a man when he no, was like, it was more <laughs> like I love, I love Hitler. No, no, like I, like I accepted it in face value, but like sometimes it was you'll, evidence. Yeah, no, like sometimes Daniel just do shit that I'm like, oh my god, if anyone ever doubted that you're a dude, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair. Uh, so yeah, um, if you didn't know before, now you know. I'm low-key obsessed with Hitler, and um, I definitely, when I'm old and senile, I want to be so rich that I could fund a hunt for all the missing art and gold. 